four. We'll have just a brief time in the Word. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, I will try to keep this very on point uh, as best I can so that we do have time and respect your time uh, for baptisms here in just a, in a little bit. We're in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4. We'll read this. Uh, this is a series we're continuing on, uh, on principles of stewardship. Principles of stewardship. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this. And this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. Notice what he says. As servants of Christ, what are we? He says we are this. We are stewards. We could use the word managers or stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of a steward, or we could say manager, that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, he says, I don't even judge myself. But notice who does the judging. He says this, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, he says, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd bless the brief time that we have in your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for the privilege of being able to baptize today those who are following you, Lord, in obedience, those who are not ashamed of you and desire to let the world know that they are your followers. Lord, we pray that you would bless your word today as we continue our series in this study on being wise managers, being good stewards of what you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would just please... Lord, search our hearts. Lord, please, Lord, help us to realize that this is a very, very important aspect of the Christian life is that that we are to manage well what you have blessed us with. So bless your word this morning. May your Holy Spirit move and work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Reminder of this series is on stewardship. Immediately, we always talk about money, right? When you're talking about stewardship, people think, well, the pastor just wants our money. Please understand that stewardship is so much more than that. In fact, Paul here speaks of this subject of stewardship or or to be managers of what God has blessed us with. And just as a brief reminder, let me review the first couple principles that we looked at. The first week in our series, we said this. The first most important foundational principle of stewardship is this, is that God owns everything. That when it comes to what we have, we have to say this, it's not mine, it's his. Amen? That makes stewardship much easier. That helps us understand that many a times we say, well, it's my money, it's my car. Well, this is my house. Or this is, sad to say, but there's now, it's my body. No, everything we have is a gift from God. Everything that we see, God has created. Amen? And it is his. And so we must be reminded that it is not mine, it's his, that God owns everything. And so when we come to that reality that everything is owned by God, by what we saw in scripture throughout the Old Testament, it says that, he says, the gold is mine, the silver is mine. He even says, the hills are mine. He says, everything that is created is mine. And so that also includes you and I, that we are his, it's not mine. And how dare we think that, that we are to, to, to take possession of something, if you will, that's not ours. 
You know, we have this idea that somehow it's mine and I'm in control. Uh, and, and, and to a certain extent, that's true. Because God has entrusted things to us. But we have to be reminded of whose it is. You see, it's like this. We kind of use this illustration. But it's like if, if you're the manager of sportsmen's, or if you're the manager at Walmart it, and you have keys and you have some authority and you have some power there, it does not mean that you get to walk in and take whatever you want, throw it into your trunk, throw it into your car, and drive off with it. If I were the manager of sportsman, I just can't grab all the ARs and throw them in my trunk. Tempting, yes, but I don't have that right or authority. You know why? Because I don't own it. I'm not the owner. And here's the thing, I didn't pay for it. Someone else did. And so in this teaching and in the principles of stewardship, he owns everything. Who's the owner? Whose is it? Number two. We studied this last week. The second principle is this. Remember that things or stuff should never be preeminent. That stuff should never be preeminent. That, and Jesus says that our life is not consisted by the abundance of things. We saw through scripture where the Bible says in, in Peter that eventually it's all going to burn up. That this, the heavens and the earth, Jesus said in Matthew, he says the heaven and earth are going to go away. They're gonna, it's going to be dissolved. And it's all going to go up in the fire. And we can take nothing with us, Correct. And so what we saw was this, is that Christ must be preeminent. Christ must be first and foremost. But oftentimes we're distracted by things. I don't know if you've ever seen this painting. Anyone ever somewhat familiar with this painting? I I remember as a kid going through our family Bible, this picture was in it. How many of you have ever heard of Leonardo da Vinci? Not DiCaprio, da Vinci, okay? Leonardo da Vinci, two different guys, two different characters, literally. He, he painted this. In fact, it took him three years to paint this painting. It's called The Last Supper. And I just wanted to mention one thing that's interesting about this, that he spent three years of labor, night and day, toiling to paint this, this painting, and this depiction of The Last Supper. And it's kind of interesting if you look What's really kind of weird is the way Jesus' hand is positioned. You kind of see that? I don't know if you can see where you are, but his hand's kind of like this. At the end of the painting, he was basically finished with this painting, but what he, what he did was he still had all of his paint and all of his brushes and all of these things out. And long story short, he invited his closest, most dearest close friend, and he brought him in for a private viewing. No one else had seen it. And he took him in for a private viewing, and when he went in... And and to to look at it, he said, I want you to give me your your just your honest opinion. Tell me what you think of this painting. Tell me what stands out. What do you see? He says, and and be a harsh critic. You know, just tell me. And as the story goes, it says that they both went in. And as he stood there, obviously, he was just mesmerized. He said, it's magnificent. It's beautiful. But what his friend said was this. He says, the thing that just that has just drawn me to this painting, the thing that stands out the most, he says, is this, is the chalice, the cup in the hand of Jesus. 
It's so beautiful. He says, I, I'm just, it just draws me to it. And while the man was speaking, history says that Leonardo went and took the paint in the brushes and he began to paint away the cup, the beautiful chalice. And he says, I want nothing to distract from the beauty of my Savior. You know, if we're not careful, things can distract us from our Savior. Pretty things, beautiful things. You see, Leonardo understood that he wanted Christ in his painting of the Last Supper to be preeminent. That he wanted Christ, that it was about him and focused. And there's a lot of three-dimensional, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about, but there was a lot of things that his whole point and the way he, the drawing and, and all of it was to bring people to who was most important. Can I tell you something? There is no one more important for you and I in our lives than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He should be preeminent. I'm going to make a statement that some people may not like, but Jesus Christ should be preeminent, that he should be even more important than the church because he's the one who died for the church. In fact, the Bible tells us that he purchased the church with his blood. If we're not careful, sometimes the church can become a, a, a chalice, a cup that will distract us from Jesus. Do I think Red Hill is important? Yes, but nothing is more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. Some may say amen there. He should be preeminent. The third principle, which we'll be spending weeks on now, is this. Remember the importance of the proper use of what God has entrusted to us. Remember the importance of using what God has given us wisely. Why should we? Why should we take it seriously? Why should we take this idea of managing well what God has entrusted to us? Well, the, the reason is right there in the passage. He says, because I'm going to stand before the Lord. You see, what Paul is saying is, I will give an account. There will be a day where I stand before the Lord and I will give an account of the things that God has entrusted to me. The things that, that God has blessed me with. The things that God has given me. And so he says, I'm going to give an account. And Paul took this very seriously. That someday we will give an account of, of how we have used or haven't used the things that God has blessed us with. We won't have time today, but in the weeks to come, we will look at the teachings and parables of Jesus. And how Jesus clearly gave different ones abilities and talents. But then there was a day of reckoning. There was a time where they stood before the master. Where they stood before the Lord. And as they were given different abilities and different talents, there was a time where they had to stand accountable for those. I want to just spend a few, say, well, what things has God blessed us with there's a number of categories, but the only one I want to just spend a few moments on, and I think is the most important, and that is this, our time. Our time. May I remind you of something? There is nothing more precious, nothing more valuable. There is no greater gift, if you will, that God has given to us than life itself. And life is consistent of time. All the money, listen to me, all the money in the world cannot buy you more time. Can it? Although people have tried. At one time, people were searching for the fountain of youth, you know. Thinking that it was some way that they could find and find more time. 
Time is a precious gift from God. Would you agree with me this morning? Time is one of the greatest, most valuable treasures that God has given to us. How are we using this time? Look at a number of passages of scripture with me this morning because we only have just a few moments. So Psalm 90, verse 10 through 12. Listen to the words of Moses. Moses in the, in the psalm said this. He says, the years of our lives, he says, are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. Most of us could agree with that, right? Man, life can be hard. He says, they are soon gone and we fly away. So listen to what he says. Who, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the, the, the fear of you? He says this. He says, because life is so short. Listen to what he says. So teach us. Moses has this prayer. Moses says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Moses said, we need a heart of wisdom to know how to use the days and the time that God has blessed us with to use it wisely. He says, teach us to number our days. Listen to what David said in Psalm 39, verse 4 through 7. Psalm 39, he says this. David says this. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Almost sounds a little depressing, doesn't it? We are merely moving shadows, he says. And notice this. Don't we all get caught up with this? All of our busy rushing, all of our busyness and rushing, he says, ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. We can't take anything with us. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? He says, my hope is in you. Life is precious. Life is valuable. Listen to me. Life is fleeting. Life is short. Took the wrestling team. I took. We had a busload of kids. And we went to a wrestling tournament. Left way too early in the morning. I mean, we were on the bus by six a.m. and we were on Friday morning. We went down to Page, Arizona, to go to a wrestling tournament. And then got back really late last night. But we had this interesting bus driver, Jeremy. Love Jeremy. Great guy. Great bus driver. But for some reason, he likes his old music. Let me tell you. And not only does he like his music, he liked it loud. And it was 6 a.m. And, and I'm thinking he needs it to keep him awake while he's driving. He was blasting this music. And the guys on the bus, we all get in there. And I'm sitting in the back of the bus with the guys. And, you know, of course, it's just full, completely full. Girl wrestlers, boy wrestlers, full, you know. And the music's just blaring. And it's all, some of it was like, I mean, it was Beach Boys, you name it. You know, there was Chicago. Then there was stuff that my dad used to sing. And I'm sitting there in this bus on this road trip. And immediately I have PTSD of road trips with my dad driving. (laughs) Listening to this old, old music and my dad singing to it. And back in the day, you guys don't understand this. Back in the day, we didn't have our own, you know... If you had a Walkman, you were lucky, okay? We did not have earbuds. We didn't have noise canceling. We didn't have all that. Way back in our day, we had a thing called a Walkman, if you were lucky. Now, before that, they would carry the boombox on the shoulder. Remember that? They would be carrying that boombox with the batteries. They'd be walking down the street. 
That was our portable music. Can you imagine working out with that thing? Then I, but in my day, we had the Walkman. And we, that's like this big, huge thing with a cassette tape that you put in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Put that in with this cable. Then it goes on top of your head with these earphones, and you got this cable. Well, I mean, that thing, you know, you're like running, and this thing's just like this big, huge pack, you know? You like bash into things. It's like breaking. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We barely even had that when I was seven, eight years old. And I remember I'm in this car, and my dad is listening to this music, and it's like, you know, just annoying. Here I am on this bus with a whole group of kids. This guy's listening to this music, and immediately, it was as if, it, and this is my thought. It was like just yesterday, just a few weeks ago, I was sitting in my car with my dad listening to that music, and now here I am, a 28-year-old with a bunch of, well, not quite, 28 <laughs> plus a few. Here I am in a bus, here I am in a bus with a bunch of high school kids, and they're going, oh, this music. And I was like, tell me about it. I said, I'm having PTSD right now. This road trip, I'm like, oh, please, change the music. And he would not turn it down, by the way. You know, we were trying to sleep, and how do you sleep to that? And it was the weirdest genre. It went from, like, my dad's music to, like, when I was in high school. It was just bouncing all over the place. This is my therapy session, just so you know, okay? <laughs> Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. The reason why I share that is to say that it seems like just yesterday I was in that car. Just in that car with my, my parents on road trips. And now I have kids getting married, you know what I mean? And now I'm with high school kids on road trips. It's crazy. Life is so short. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, look carefully. This is what Paul says. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, look carefully then how you walk. He says, don't walk as unwise, but as wise. In some versions, you'll say this, redeeming the time. It means to buy back the time. But he says this, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Look carefully then. How you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Did you get that? Read it twice. So you really let that sink in. Do you understand that we must be wise stewards or wise managers of the time that God has given us? Would you agree with that? Amen? Life is short. Yet many a times we squander and we waste the God-given time that he has given to us. He says, Paul says, listen, he says, use the time wisely. We could use it in those terms today. We hear it all the time. Teachers will say it. Coaches will say it. Pastors will say it. But use your time wisely. Life is short. Life is precious. And we must guard our time and use it wisely. Many of people are just wasting time and wasting their lives. Victor Hugo, the, the Frenchman, said this, Short as life is, we make it still shorter by a careless waste of time. Look at James chapter 4. James says this. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. And spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? Listen, he says, 
You're a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. Our life is a gift from God. The Bible says every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. We will look at other areas and other things that God has blessed us with, but the first and foremost, most important thing that God has given to you and has blessed you with is life itself, and life consists of time. Time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades. How are we using that time? If we were to do inventory, if we were to have someone come into our life and look at how we're using those seconds, minutes, and hours. What would that look like? If we're going to give an account to God for our time, then wouldn't it be very wise of us to say, I need to really evaluate how I'm using my time. Does it mean we never sit down and just chill for a little bit? In fact, I think... One of the most spiritual things you could do. Do you guys remember the series on Elijah? Is do what? Take a nap. Amen. Is it a sin to take a nap? Absolutely not. Is it sinful to sleep? Absolutely not. In fact, we have some expecting mothers. You're probably going to sleep more, and that's okay. Pastor Joe says it's okay, all right? It's interesting, because sometimes you'll do pastoral counseling, and sometimes... Young couples that have a, you know, the wife's, and the husband will say something like, oh, well, she, lately she's just sleeping all the time. I'm like, bro, chill. She's pregnant, you know? She, she's, her body's going through crazy things. Let her sleep. So is it wrong to sleep? No. But can I say this? If, unless you have some type of health issue, Sleeping 10, 12, 14, and this is for you teenagers, 14 hours a day, 16 hours a day, but my body's growing. But staying in bed till 1 or 2 in the afternoon, you know, unless you work night shift, that's different. But listen to me, 10, 12, 14 hours of sleep, there's lots of other things that we could be doing that are productive, amen? It's not just about sleep, it's not just about entertainment. Oftentimes, this right here, this thing right here will consume so much of our time. Oh, here we go. Because i got to finish the sermon. And by the way, this is for all of us. TikTok. Get one. Then another. Then another. Then another. Then another. Then another. Hour and a half goes by and you've been on TikTok for an hour and a half. Come on now. Preacher, don't be preaching at me now. Real after real after real. That's why it's called reels. It's for reels, let me tell you. <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going. And we get sucked in. We've all done it. We binge on Netflix. Been there, done it. Get on one, but I got to see what happens on the next. Got to see what happens on the next. Got to see what happens on the next. Oh, it's only four. Oh, look, the sun is coming up. Then we're exhausted and we're tired. 
The struggle is real. Are you with me? Amen. And so I'd encourage all of us to be reminded that life is so short. Life is precious. It's valuable. And it consists of time. And our time is important. Managing our time. I would encourage you. Even Moses basically said, Lord, please. He says, teach us to number our days. David said, Lord, remind me. Remind me that my life is short. David said this. Paul and James, they all tell us the same thing. That, that we must, as the scripture says, Paul says, redeeming the time. To buy it back. The idea is this. Is to realize that, that time is so valuable. It's so precious. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, one of the great responsibilities that we have is to manage our time well, to manage it well. How are we doing in this area? One thing I had, one thought, and I'm finished, and that was this. Obviously, we have to prioritize. You know, we talk about in giving a tithe, the 10%. How much time does God really get from us? And I thought if we were to tithe our time for the Lord... And use our time for him. There's 168 hours in a week. I believe that's right. 10% of that would be 16.8 hours. But we don't want to be greedy. So if we round it up to 17 hours. I wonder if even any of us give even 17 hours of our time to the Lord. Doesn't mean coming to church and showing up for 17 hours. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) but tithing even our time. If God, think about this, if God said we should tithe of our, the gifts and the things that he's blessed us with, what's the greatest gift God has given us? Let's all say it. What's the greatest gift he's given us? Our what? Time. If we were to just give God back 10% of our time, that's about 17 hours a week. You say, well, that's a lot of time. Well, let's say you only sleep eight hours. Some of you sleep more. You're not going to get in trouble there. A few of you sleep less. But let me ask you, how many hours do you give to sleep if you were to only sleep eight hours, no naps included? How many hours a week would you give to the Lord? 56 hours? 17 hours. 17 hours is just a thought. I'm just, it's a challenge. You ready? It's just a little challenge. That may be listening to worship in your car. That may be praying, taking a few moments in the word. Yes, showing up to church. How about going to a Bible study? What we forget is this, serve, service. Some of you that are making food, right, there's a couple hours this week for you, for the wrestling team. Right, there's at least a couple hours, but that's part of it. Do you understand? And I'm not saying that we check in and we check out. I'm please, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say, well, now what we got to do is we're going to take 17 hours and I'm going to take a little stopwatch. I'm going to time it. That's not at all. It's not the spirit of it. It's just to get us to think for a little bit. I have to finish. I have to close. But can I just say this? Use every minute and every moment you have wisely. Leverage your time. Use your time wisely. That means when you're in the car, you can be doing two things at once not texting and driving that's not what I'm talking about but you could be listening to worship you could be praying you have a 10-15 minute commute use it wisely 
you have a 15, 20-minute window of something and you're just sitting there and it's just dead space, dead time. Use it wisely. Does this making sense? Use your time wisely. Maybe it means, hey, I don't necessarily need 14 hours of sleep. Maybe I'll go to 12 or something, you know? Using your time wisely. I just want to remind us that we will give an account of our time and that time is a precious gift, a great gift that God has given us. And I just encourage all of us as God's people to use the time wisely. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's stand. We'll let those, as we're getting ready.